So our staff as a church, our staff as a church, our church staff, um, I don't know what that meant. Um, we did something really unique this week and it was just like a, a really interesting, different kind of week. And that's why this is a different setting. I wanna just tell you about the week I just had with our staff, okay? So there's something ironic um, sad, sad, in a sad way about working on a church staff um, because what happens, so a lot of us, we, we work in places throughout the city and so we find ourselves around people of different backgrounds, different faith stories. But the thing about working at a church staff, if you've been coming to Ethos or coming to Hillsborough Village for any amount of time, you've seen me up here saying our mission statement is to love God, love people, and awaken a movement. And what I'm referring to is the mission of Jesus, right? To go and make disciples. Or like we see in this text, to go to villages, talk to people we've never talked to before, and tell them I'm here in the name of Jesus. Like, what do you say? Like the kingdom of God is near. And the irony in it is me working on a church staff for so long is that I spend 99.9% .9 of my time around Christians, right? Unless I'm like super intentional because my, my work week is surrounded by Christians because it makes sense, right? Christians work at a church. That's usually how it works. I'm not saying it's like that at every church, but at ours, we seem to find that to be true, right? Most people work with their Christians. Okay. My closest friends are going to be people that I have a lot of things in common with. So um, because of that, I happen to have a lot of close friends who also believe in Jesus. We're already, we're minimizing the amount of time I have for non-believers unless I'm intentional. And so I think the rest of our staff sort of found that in common, like, wow, we've got a ton of Christian community, and unless we're pretty intentional, we're actually never going to obey some pretty simple commands of Jesus. And we kind of found ourselves there. Like, we don't spend a whole lot of time with people that don't care at all about Jesus. And that's weird because Jesus spent a ton of time with people that don't care at all about Jesus. And so for a week, Dave, our, our, kind of our lead pastor of vision, just said, hey, let's take the week off and from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning, do the bare minimum. Do as much work as you can. We know it's normally from like 9 to 4 that you're doing this, but for now, 8 to 10, do what you can. From 10 to 12, we're going to gather together and we're going to pray and worship. From 12 to 12.45, we'll do lunch, share some stories, and then from 1 until like 3.30, we're going to go out into different parts of the city and we're going to meet people. And we're going to tell them about Jesus. I don't have any programs. I don't have any flyers. I don't have any handouts. You're not doing the Romans road. You're going to go meet people and say, can I pray for you? I'm here in the name of Jesus. What's your story? I, I don't know. And so this is obviously exactly what our staff wanted to hear. Not, because that sounds terrible. It sounds very un-Nashville to like go and be like, hey, yo, I'm here to like sell you something. It feels terrible. So we're all like cringing. Um, but it ends up being awesome. So the way it got divided up, on Monday, uh, we went to universities. Um, on Tuesday, we went to like lower income parts of the city, um, a lot of different parts. And then on Wednesday, we went to the business sector. And then on Thursday, I wasn't there. I went out of town. What was it? Service, what, like fire departments, police. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't get to be there for that day. But we go to these different parts of the city with the intent of simply going there, praying for the Holy Spirit to, to show us, to give us vision, and to talk to people. Okay, so it's just super crazy. So for the first like 15 minutes of this talk, I'm gonna just tell you stories and I'm gonna go ahead and give you a warning. You might get bored, but I think the stories are important because they kind of shape my understanding that I'm gonna talk about later. So my bad, if you get bored, sleep. I'll wake you up when it's time for the three points, okay? All right, so first story. Well, the, the first day on Monday, we're going to universities, right? And so I graduated from Belmont two years ago. So naturally, 
I didn't want to go there um, because I already knew it. I was like, cool, I'm going to go to like Tennessee State or like something crazy I'd never been to before. And, um, but as we were praying and worshiping together, I was like, you know what? I love Belmont. I got a heart for Belmont. Let's go to Belmont. Me and three other people are doing this. And, you know, as we're driving over, we're just praying like, God, what the heck's going on? Help us. Like, you know, we're, we're going to just like talk to students about Jesus. This is so not cool or socially acceptable in any way possible. Please, Holy Spirit, please, 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 grace and mercy. So we're driving over there and uh, I, I'm walking up to Belmont and I'm going to this place called the Curb Cafe. Who goes to Belmont? The Curb Cafe, which now has Chick-fil-A. Are you kidding me? Gosh, congrats, like whatever. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I did not have that when I was there. It was some weird Chinese food. And um, so my first thought is to go to the Curb Cafe and I'm just like praying like, God, let's, let's do this thing. And so I walk in and I see this dude sitting by himself eating lunch. And I, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just the fact that that dude was alone eating. It was probably more of the second one than the first one. But I'm like, there's my first candidate. I go, I walk up to him and I'm like, what's up, dude? I'm Joshua. I'm here with the church. I'm here, honestly, just shooting straight to get to know your story and potentially pray for you. And his reaction was exactly what you're thinking it was right now. He was like, what are you like talking about? Like, why are you here right now? And I was like, yeah, I know this is terrible. I hate it too. And, uh, but we keep talking and I get to know a little bit of a story. He's got to go to class, class. And who knows if he was telling me the truth, he wanted to get out of there. He gets out of there. It goes fine. It was kind of natural, kind of not. It was okay. So uh, then I, I go to a table, sit by myself and begin to pray and like, God, like, whatever, whatever you want. I really do want to be obedient. So I see this other guy, he's wearing a Boston Celtics hat. I go sit at his table and say, what's up, man? Like, I'm Joshua. I give him the whole spill again. This is why I'm here. And this dude was awesome. He was, he was really, really open. And um, he starts to tell me his story. He's from Chicago. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I kind of just go for it. I'm like, well, dude, what's your faith story? Like, what do you think about God? Just real talk. And he was like, Honestly, man, I went to a Christian school in high school, and that kind of drove me away from Christianity. You may have an experience like that. Um, and I was like, word, like what happened? He was like, well, everyone that talked about Jesus looked nothing like him, and it was really confusing. So like, I'm pretty sure there's a God, but I'll figure it out at some point. Like, but that was weird for me. And I was like, okay. He was like, so what, what do you believe? And I was like, oh, thank you. Like ball on the tee, just knock this thing out. What do I believe? Okay. So I get the book of Romans out. I'm just kidding. Um, so I'm like, well, you know, uh, honestly, man, I, I believe, you know, that, that Jesus is so real. I, I think he's the reason our past crossed. I, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus is, um, has saved me and that and in infinity's time, I'll still be with him, like worshiping him because of what he's done for me. That's what I believe. And he was like, cool, man. And we kept talking and there wasn't a crazy moment. I didn't go like baptize him in the Belmont fountain. Um, he eventually had to leave and it was like, okay, cool, man. Like great meeting you. And it was a great conversation. I, I never like tried to sell him anything. I didn't try to like in an odd way force something on him. We legitimately did what I didn't think was possible. We just shared stories and that was that. I walked up to a stranger. We shared stories, had a great conversation. I think he enjoyed it moderately, and we left, and that was it, okay? So that was my experience at the universities, all right? So day two, day two, we're going to um, lower income parts of the city. So some of us went to government housing. Some of us went to homeless shelters. Some of us went to trailer parks um, just to go and meet people, and I teamed up with a guy named Aaron Etheridge. He's the campus pastor um, at the cannery. 
And he just said, like, I live close to this, like, three trailer parks, and God has actually already been putting these places on my heart, so uh, I want to go and check them out. And I'm like, dope, let's go do it. Let's, let's hit this up. So we're driving, and we're trying to discern which trailer park to go to. We're really trying to hear the Holy Spirit, and he, we don't really hear anything, and he pulls into the last trailer park to just do a U-turn, and then we're like, why don't we just stop here? We're like, okay, we'll call that the Holy Spirit. We'll just stop here since we're already here. And um, we start to walk out, and it was really cool. We saw this dude, and he's wearing, like, a bandana Oakley shades, headphones, he's sweating a ton, he's push mowing, and he actually kind of waves us down, and he's like, you know, hey, what are you guys doing here, what's up? We're like, we're here on a, we give him the spill, we're here from a church, we're here to pray for people if, they, if they're interested, and he goes, oh, sweet, well, I'm actually the manager of this land. He was like, dude, go knock on doors, people are super receptive here, like, they're usually pretty friendly, and if they don't want to talk, they won't talk to you, and it'll be fine, and we were like, oh man, like we weren't even planning on like knocking on doors. We thought that was too intrusive and weird. So we were just going to like pray and hope we ran into some people, um, which may have been weirder. I don't know. But it was so cool because immediately it felt like God was like, let me place the manager in front of you and, and let him like give you a warm welcome. So you, have, you now have like kind of this empowerment of sorts to, to go. And so Aaron and I, we begin knocking on doors and uh, the, first guy, uh, the first guy that answers the door, his name's Jamal. And he is, I think he was from Jordan. And he spoke good English until we talked about Jesus. His English really began to break down. And it was sort of interesting because he was like, hi, you know, like, welcome. Like, uh, it's good to see you. Like, what do you guys need? And we talked to him and said, well, actually, we're here in the name of Jesus. And he goes, like, I don't understand. And all of a sudden, his English would break down. And we thought that was kind of interesting how he could only speak English when it wasn't about Jesus. But um, he ended up telling us that um, he was Muslim. And he was like, you know, we don't pray for people. We pray to God. Um, but you are most welcome here. He kept telling us we were welcome. He was very warm and kind. And Every time that we said, like, okay, cool, like, is there anything we can pray for you for? Like, we're here in the name of Jesus. We just want to shoot you straight. Um, he would always say, like, I don't understand. And so we were like, that's great. We love you. Thank you for welcoming us. We'll keep going. And so we kept going, and um, we knocked on another door, and this guy named Daniel opens the door. Um, he's this really big African-American dude. He is, we tell him why we're here, and he immediately is like, awesome. And he closes the door, sits on his front step, and just begins to share his story. It was really cool. Um, he starts telling us that he has a really uh, bad issue with his colon, and so it's really hard for him to get around and find work. And he's like, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm in and out of work because I have this issue with my colon, and um, if I get surgery, I'll have to have a bag attached to me for the rest of my life, so I'm hesitant to do that. And we're like, man, this is real. That's, this is really tough. And we see it here in Matthew 10. It says like heal people. And so Aaron's like, can we pray for healing over your colon? And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't like being in situations where God has to show up. And, um, and so he begins to pray over this man's colon. And kid you not, this is really what happens. Um, he's praying. We praying for like a minute and I'm praying. And then like Aaron's praying out loud. I'm praying internally. And then Aaron always does this and it kills me. He's like, hey, how's it feel? He actually checks to see. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Um, and Daniel's like, straight face, so monotone, is tingling like the pain's going away. And we're like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> this is working? Uh, we don't know what to do with that. And, so, and then Aaron's like, all right, I'm going to keep praying. And I'm like, dang it. All right, let's keep praying. And so we keep praying. I'm not actually, I'm just trying to be funny, but I'm not saying dang it. I'm happy to pray. And we're praying, and we're praying over his colon. And then Aaron gets done a second time. He's like, how's it feel? He goes, I mean, yeah, it went away. And we're like, what? Are you healed? Like, what's happening right now? Because he's so straight-faced and monotone. But he's like, I mean, I'll let you know if anything changes. But yeah, right now it doesn't hurt at all. It's like, but it's been hurting. Yep. 
all right. <laughs> we're, we're like, praise the Lord. Maybe you just showed up. Maybe not. I'm skeptical because that dude is like so complacent, but that's cool. But he was so grateful that we prayed for him and he ends up going and getting his son, Rashawn, out. And Rashawn comes out and tells me about how his sister died in a car accident at 22, 22 years old last year, how he's been going to therapy for it. Just these guys could not be more open about the brokenness in their story. And like, they're like so open to, yeah, we need God and we're grateful that you're here because like, let's chop it up. Let's pray together. And so, so cool. Got to pray for them. We keep moving. Um, we got to talk to another family who were actually Christian, and they were so stoked to see us, welcomed, them, welcomed us into their living room. We hung out in their living room for like 30, 45 minutes and just like talked, laughed, prayed together. Um, but just a super cool time. It was, it was awesome. And lesson learned there, knocking on doors is still somewhat acceptable, at least, at least in trailer parks. People were so friendly. It was awesome. Um, so that was Tuesday. One more story to go. We're almost done here. Um, Wednesday, we go to the business district. Okay, so um, this was interesting because, you know, Dave was talking to us and was like, you're going to be tempted to think uh, that the people you're going to go talk to today um, actually don't need anything from you um, because most of them have their degrees. They're super wealthy. They're doing big things in Nashville. And you might find yourself being a little insecure in in the midst of their wealth and knowledge. Um, But I want to remind you, Jesus is all we need. That's what we need. Everybody has that in common. And we were like, oh, shoot, that's a big deal. Okay, that's cool. So I really think I received that that morning. And so uh, God put it on my mind, or at least it came up in my brain, to go to Frothy Monkey downtown. I don't know if you've ever been there, but super business, like power suits, dudes that look like what I wanted to be for a long time. Like they're, just, they're sharp. Anyway, so I remembered Frothy Monkey. Like, let's go there. Me and my friend Brooks are heading to Frothy. And as we're about to walk in, um, we stopped to just like pray together, just to kind of get ready. And as we're praying, I, I just, I, I kind of remember what Dave had been teaching about that morning. Because my fear, I, I didn't want to walk up to a dude in a power suit and feel stupid and get rejected. That just seemed so terrible because I'm like in a t-shirt and jeans, you know. It, I don't know why, I don't know if it's culture, I don't know what it is, but that picture just sounded terrible to me and humiliating. And as we were praying, I, I kind of just realized, like, I am praying to Jesus who I believe is the son of God, greatest to ever live, saved my life. And the reason Jesus died is because he was rejected, right? And all of a sudden this peace kind of like came over, I think Brooks and me both, like if we do this thing exactly right, if we nail evangelism, if we nail the conversations, we will be rejected. And it was odd how that thought brought so much peace. It was like, oh, I already know there's a shot, I'll get rejected. Even if I nail this, which I won't, but if I did, I could still find myself being rejected. And so we kind of walked in there in an odd way that gave us confidence. We almost felt free to fail, quote unquote. I wouldn't even call it failure, but we felt free to like totally go awkward and bomb it if we needed to. Like, but we just wanted to take some face steps. And so we walk in there, I'll give you two examples of this one. Within two minutes, uh, I talked to this guy. His name's Eric. Um, he was wrongfully accused of a crime. He didn't tell me what it was. He was in prison for 10 years. He got out. He is now working at the YMCA in Nashville and pouring into youth. And also, did you guys see where President Obama put an end to private prison? Did y'all see that on the news at all? Okay, he played a hand in that because of his 10 years of the, the wrongful accusation in his life. He's using that to like free others, basically. And it was incredible. And I'm like, who are you? Like, this is the most insane 10 years of your life for something you didn't do. And I don't know if you've heard of the story in the Old Testament of a guy named Joseph, but there's this guy named Joseph who spent like 
years and years in prison for something he didn't do. But because he's in prison, he gets in contact with the Pharaoh of Egypt and he is used to free the people of Israel. It's like this crazy, and I looked at Eric, who's a believer, and I'm like, Eric, dude, I am talking to Joseph of the Old Testament right now. And I wasn't being funny. I'm like, God used this. Like, you are now freeing people because of the wrongful accusation you experienced. So that was just super dope. It was so cool. Um, got him talking to Eric. Saw another dude. He had this really just, the, he, he was the guy in my head that I was scared of. He had the good power suit on. And this is my coward moment. I got scared. He took a phone call, and I was super pumped because I didn't have to go talk to him because I'm not going to interrupt his phone call to tell him about Jesus. That'd be rude. And so I was like, thank you. So that was my one error. I never talked to that guy. And then there was another guy. I'm almost done. I, I know this is ADD. Uh, there's another guy named Alan. Um, and he was sitting in Frothy, um, and I, I went up and talked to him. He was a lawyer from Vanderbilt, um, from what I can tell, super successful, and he, t- he mentioned that he loved Tennessee football, so do I. We talked about Tennessee volunteers for a while there, um, and then I just kind of asked him, like, he told me about his family and his baby on the way, and then I asked him his faith story, and he was like, well, I'm Episcopalian, but honestly, my, my religion's very private, and I said, deal. I won't push there. Um, I just want you to know, like, I'm going to be praying for you and your family and your newborn on the way. That's huge. That's epic. I'll be praying for you. Just real talk. And this was a cool moment because when I told him that I would pray for him, and I, and I meant it, I, it felt very genuine on my end as well. Um, and I keep clarifying that I felt genuine because it's easy to not feel genuine in these moments. Um, but in this moment, it felt real. And his eyes kind of lit up. It, I didn't expect it because he was pretty chill the whole time, but he was like, thank you. That's so cool. And it was, that, it was as if this thing clicked, that I wasn't there to give him like a three-step plan to Jesus. I wasn't there to advertise my church. He has no idea what church I'm from. I was actually legitimately there to, to talk about his story and to pray for him, if I could pray for him. And that was a really neat moment. This lawyer, successful lawyer in Nashville, and I'm just getting real with him. And he was so warm and responsive to that. And it was just so cool. And so There were many, many, many more people um, that I talked to in this week that I'm not going to get into because it would take forever, and you you may not know me very well, and you won't know any of the people I'm talking about, so that would be boring. Um, But I do want to tell you some some takeaways that I took away from this. So if you were sleeping through those stories, here's the part where I'm getting some actual points. Um, The first thing, um, talking to people about Jesus really is simple. It really is simple. And simple does not mean easy, okay? So talking to Jesus, talking to people about Jesus really is simple. That does not mean it's easy. And so I think when I look back at the 25 years of my life, I have done a really good job in a well-educated manner articulating good reasons to flat out disobey the commands of Jesus. Like, I can really articulate well some good reasons not to walk up to someone at a coffee shop and say, hey, I'm Joshua. I'm here to get to know your story and pray for you. If you're not into, if if that sounds terrible, I swear I'll leave, but what's up? You know, like I've never done that in my 25 years. There is a shockingly low, and I mean like next to zero amount of times I've walked up to someone and just offered prayer or the love of Jesus. Like I've really overthought it. And What I'm not saying, like, I understand that Jesus walked with people, that he had relationships with people that didn't believe in him yet, that he was best friends with people that the church thought was, like, terrible, and it gave Jesus a bad reputation, and Jesus, like, befriended them and walked with them. And so I'm not saying that relationships aren't important. 
and that we shouldn't be walking with people and going slow with people. But at the same time, when I look over my life and what I see is a guy who never talks about Jesus to someone he doesn't know, that's not good fruit. Because Jesus asked me to do that, super clear. And Jesus did that very clearly. And the disciples did that very clearly. So I'm not saying, hey, we're all about to get up, go out there and meet a ton of strangers and break down the gospel. I'm not saying that. I am saying, I think there's a call on us to examine our lives. And if the fruit of our lives looks like I'm actually never having conversations about Jesus, let's reflect on that. I do think it's a little more simple than we make it out to be, even in a city like Nashville around a bunch of students who are kind of sensitive to religion. But we're not offering them religion. That's not what we're offering. I don't care if you ever come to Ethos. I mean, I guess I kind of care because it'd be cool to see you. That is the only reason, though. I don't think Ethos is your answer. I think Jesus is your answer. And he's a really good answer. And so, anyway, I think we've kind of overthought it. Um, and I think talking about Jesus is, is a little more simple than we're giving it credit for, especially since Jesus said, go and do it. Like, do we trust that Jesus is smart? That's a real question. Like, is he God? Was he the best evangelist to ever live? He never went uh, more than 50 miles outside of his hometown, and we're still talking about him today. He was pretty good at what he did, and this is what he told us to do. And so I'm like, okay, it's more simple than I'm giving it credit for. That was very refreshing this week because I hate doing what I just told you all about. I'm not a fan of walking up to strangers and being like, yo, I love to save face and look cool, even though I'm sure I never do. That is my goal, and um, that's what I want. But anyway, so I'm just saying, like, I don't want to come across as standing above and saying you guys should do that. I'm like, I'm with you. If this is uncomfortable and weird, agreed, 100%. Simple. Um, all right. Second thing is your expectations are going to go a long way to define your experience. So what you expect from something is just going to go a long way in how you experience it. Um, maybe a good example of this would be like a, a New Year's resolution. If you're like, I am about to get the most rock-hard abs in two weeks, right? It's like, I'm about to work out for two straight hours. I'm going to do like 2,000 crunches because I want it that bad. That's how bad I want it, right? So your expectations just got up here. So like four minutes into your workout, you're going to feel terrible about yourself, right? Because you set the bar too high. Your expectations were too crazy. They were never realistic in the first place. And thus you feel terrible. You stop working out. Six pack never happens. That's my story. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, so I really believe this. In evangelism, in talking about Jesus, that's all I mean by evangelism, in telling people about Jesus, be careful what, you put the, what expectations you place on yourself. I'll tell you this. If, if the expectation for you is to nail it, to dodge every awkward moment, and to lead someone to Jesus every time, you are going to hate it. It is going to be terrible. Jesus, the greatest evangelist ever, was rejected. The ones that he was the closest to and trained and sent out were rejected. Everybody was, right? Because we're not just dealing with logic. We're dealing with the spirits and powers of this world. It's not just Jesus. There's evil in the world. Like, there's a lot going on. This is a very complex situation. And so I think for me, what I learned in front of Frothy when we were praying was, oh, when I begin to understand and expect the only expectation of me is to be faithful to what Jesus has instructed me in, to go and humbly talk to people, share with people what's going on, who are, get to know people and tell them about Jesus. That's as far as my expectation goes. I have no expectation of being super smooth, of not having awkward moments, because in the end, we're doing something very unique. Like this is the only thing to ever ask us to walk up to a stranger and just tell them something that's on our heart. This isn't normal. And so anyway, what I, what, the thing I stepped away with was your expectations greatly um, 
affect your experience. And so as we go out and do this, in a sense, be easy on yourself. Don't ask of yourself what God is not asking of you, right? So like, be faithful, be open to the Spirit, but let their reaction, um, oh, this is one more thing. I didn't say this this morning. I do want to share it, though. Um, a few months ago, I was going to bed and had this idea pop in my head, and it was this idea of reaction and reflection, okay? Reaction and reflection. So we put too much stock in people's reactions, okay? You've been really mad about something, like someone pulls out in front of you, and in the heat of the moment, you do something that didn't really reflect who you are. It reflected, like, the angriest version of you, and then upon reflection, you were like, okay, probably shouldn't have held up that finger. Like, maybe a thumbs up would have been better, <laughs> you know? Um, but in the moment when we react, you don't always give your truest self. You give an extreme version of yourself, right? When we're telling people about Jesus, we have got to stop putting so much stock in what they react with. And we have to trust that when we tell people about Jesus, that plants seeds and it may be six minutes from that moment, six seconds, or six years, or six decades from that moment. But trust, all we have to do is share Jesus and trust the period of reflection. Like, let them have a chance. Like, at least give them the chance. We knocked on a door at the trailer park. This girl answered. She had a baby on her arm. She said, I'm cooking. Not now. And I was like, deal. Like, clearly not now. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pray for you. As soon as you shut the door, I'm praying for you. Like, in the name of Jesus. Like, that could have been completely useless. I don't know, but at least I gave her a chance to say, hey, God might have just interrupted you for two seconds just to say, what's up? I'm watching. I don't know, but at least give that reflection a chance. So for me, I let my fear of what you're going to say to this message affect how I give the message, right? Because I'm concerned about your reaction. Learning to lean, you get it. I'm learning to lean more into reflection. Okay, so for us as a church, Two more takeaways, and then I'm, I'm through with my storytelling and talking to you guys. Thank you for, um, yeah, talking with me or listening or whatever. Um, two things. The first thing that I think we need is intimacy with God. Um, I don't think you need to come up with, like, a huge plan right now, or maybe you do. I don't know where you're at in your journey, but what this calls for is intimacy with God. Why did the disciples listen to Jesus? Why did they go? Because they knew Jesus. When Jesus said, go and do this, why did they go? They knew him. They had walked with this man. They watched him live. They loved him. They trusted him. And I really believe for us as a church, the first call is not to go and do, but to go and be. Like to be with God. And as our hearts get a hold of God, as we bask in his glory, as we say, God, I need you. I need more of you. I'm not able. I need you. And thank you for sending Jesus. As we dwell with him, that intimacy is going to result in boldness and courage. And there may be, there's, there's plenty of times in the New Testament um, where people are praying for courage and boldness. So that may be where you're at. Maybe it's time to pray like, God, okay, I love you. I know you. It's time for me to go. I need your help. I got to go and do something now. And that may be where you're at. But I don't want us to skip the step of just intimacy. Like be with God. Spend time with God. Don't skip that step before going out into a city and trying to tell people about Jesus. Otherwise, we're just the same church, the same kind of church that I grew up in. We talked a lot about things, but our hearts were totally vacant. Um, second thing is I think there's this like serious richness in community, doing it together. I noticed Jesus himself came to this earth and didn't do it alone, which is kind of surreal if you think about it. Like, if you really break that down, Jesus, son of God, like Superman, like, I mean, the dude, God, man, at once, crazy, chose to have disciples, to walk with him, to help him legitimately. And I think that tells us something. And when he sends the disciples out, he sends them out together. He sends them out two by two. And I think uh, I missed that 
growing up, for some reason, I turned Christianity into me, myself, shouldering the load and doing it on my own. And I realized, like, going with Brooks on, on Wednesday, man, there's so much power and just knowing there's another guy in the room doing what you're doing, praying for what you're praying for. That is so powerful. After we got done at Frothy, it had went super well. We were like, man, good conversations. Wow, wow, wow. And as we were walking to the next place, I just said out loud, Brooks, I don't want to go do this at all. Even though it's been going well, I just don't want to do it. He's like, me neither. And we named it, and then we prayed. Like, God, for some reason, we want comfort. We do not want to keep doing this. That went super well. We affirmed that. We thank you. We are done. We hate this, okay? And we just prayed together, and we named it. And I tell you what, the next hour went awesome. Like, because we knew, like, okay, that's our flesh, straight up. Like, we don't like this. We want normal. We don't want this weird thing that we're doing. We prayed for it out loud, and then we went, and we were faithful. And I'm certainly not boasting in anything that we did. I'm just wanting to highlight there is power in community. So I'm not asking, no, God is not asking you to do this alone. If this feels daunting and terrible and, and hard and awkward, you don't have to do it alone. Do it with someone. Pray. Walk into places in power. Um, last thing, um, none of this is going to happen by accident. You're, I think what I'm learning about my life, I have been around some of the greatest followers of Jesus uh, some of the people I've been around for a long time, I would testify like these people are incredible. And I never once accidentally stumbled into evangelism and telling someone about Jesus because I loved them. I actually had to choose it. That's really interesting because I wish it was more romantic than that. I wish it was like, oh man, like I was just in love with God and he just sent me out. And I know some people have those stories, like the love of God consumed their heart and they couldn't help but talk about it. That's not my story. Um, I'd rather think my way out of it. And so I just want to encourage us. People aren't going to hear about Jesus from you unless you choose it. I think that there's some choice in your end. Like, and we got to choose to lean into the spirit and ask God to guide us. We don't want to force things out of a legalistic heart. Um, but as a church, uh, we're going to have to lean in and, and choose to take steps of obedience. Okay. Um, yes. I'm trying to listen for a second. I think that's all I wanted to say. Thank you for listening to this very monotone, quiet, calm teaching. This is a different side of me. Welcome to this side. Um, I want to, thank you. Um, I want to pray over us because uh, I'm, for my own life, I w I'm just kind of concerned for, for how easy it is to not care about this. And that's really weird to not care about this. Because this, this seemed to be the only reason Jesus came and so I'm like, oh, shoot, if I don't care about this, okay, there, there's something up with my heart. And so I just want to just like ask you as we go to communion, we've got two communion tables in the back. You can exit towards the middle, go get communion um, to just pray. First of all, pray for your own heart. Like Jesus remind us that this story is amazing. Like, why do we think we're pressuring people into something terrible? What our story is, listen, God created you on purpose loves you. We rebelled. He sent Jesus for you. His identity is on you. You are made in his image. When did that become such a tough story to tell people? That is like the greatest news. Some of you know this, some of you don't, but some of you that follow Jesus, you have seen God pick you up from places of darkness and lowly places and lift you up to places on high and place you with Jesus. This is a great story. And I, I don't know how I ended up talking myself into Christianity being a tough thing. I've got to awkwardly pressure someone into. This is a story of freedom. Like, God, remind us. We're sitting in church on Sunday. We do this all the time, and we're asleep. We're, like, so, like, up, and our shoulders are all tight, and we're not relaxed, and we're, like, we're not free. Like, free us again. Like, Jesus, remind us. This story is insane. What we believe is good news. Hear that. What we believe 
is great news. That is awesome. God, remind us of that. I'm going to pray. We're going to go to communion. I'm about to accidentally. God, I pray uh, over our time of communion. Um, God, I pray, man, just for our church. Um, I know this was a different type of Sunday. I, I pray, God, for your Holy Spirit. Please, Father transform our hearts we need your holy spirit we live in a place where christianity is so familiar it's like painfully familiar and it's not sweet when people think of jesus they think of legalistic hypocritical christians and that is not what christianity is that is not who you are that is not jesus that is something far from you god would you awaken a spirit in us would you give us love in our hearts forgive us forgive us how easy it is to come here on Sundays and treat this like a regular normal thing just like working out or getting dinner with friends Jesus you are bigger than that forgive me God I have missed that Father for some of us we, we don't even know you we don't believe in you and I pray God that you would this could be just another step on the journey to belief in you Jesus and for some of us we really need a, kind of a kick to the rear end honestly we need to like go it's time to go it's time to tell people about Jesus. And God, we don't want to do this out of obligation. We want to do this because we are consumed with your love. And I pray in the name of Jesus that for those that don't feel that, they don't believe that, that you would draw them to yourself today and that we are calling us to take our own steps. May we do that. Please guide us in Jesus' name. Amen.